This is the Breaking It Down podcast with me, Michelle Falcon. I welcome entrepreneurs and business pros, people just like you, and help them solve their biggest customer, employee, and culture challenges. Let's get into the episode. All right, welcome to another episode of Breaking It Down uh, with me, Michelle Falcon. I have the pleasure of welcoming Raj onto the show. Uh, Raj, you and I connected uh, recently in the past yeah. 60 days, let's say. Uh, Raj has um, you know, signed up for uh, my online course, which I'm very thankful for. I don't want to do uh, a disservice to you by not properly describing what you do um, for a living and what your business is. So let me flip it over to you. Let the audience know, what does Raj do? Hey everybody, uh, I'm Raj. I'm uh, a physiotherapist by trade. Um, started a company about eight years ago. It's called Foundation Physiotherapy. I've recently just kind of progressed myself moving the physiotherapist job into more of a leader manager type role. Uh, we've built out a few clinics with a whole bunch of staff now more than I expected from when I started. So here I am just learning more about leadership and systems and culture and operations. And this is where we are. Fantastic. How many employees in total? Roughly? About 30. 30. Fantastic. And I, I, I don't want to ask you how many customers you have or clients or patients yep. perhaps. Um, but on average, how many patients might the clinic system wide see in a month? So, I mean, I can answer the first question. I actually just, Amazing. I actually just took, took a, so this year between three clinics, we saw about 4,000 clients. Every, okay. Throughout the year. Throughout the year. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And is that a year over year growth or is that, you know, flat or do you expect more, you know, this year, like is growth your thing for this coming year? Yeah. Growth is our thing. So um, I just mind you last year, we were only at one clinic and this year we okay. had uh, sorry, last year we were at two, the year before we are at one. So we've been going across the brand. So obviously our client load has been increasing. So, you know, we plan that with each clinic, we're going to get busier. So we should be exponentially, you know, each clinic exponentially should be seeing significantly more clients, which would be increasing our client load across the brand. Okay, fantastic. Raj, let's jump into it. What yeah. type of questions do you have for me? Yeah. So Michelle, clearly my questions are really regarding around culture and, and leadership. Uh, first question I got is, Culture is a fairly new concept in our industry. We're in an industry of highly educated independent contractors, physiotherapists, chiropractors. We're trying to change that model by providing effective leadership and promoting teamwork. How, how can you ensure that these professionals can buy into the concept of culture being an asset for clinicians, clinical care, that they see value that culture is important as part of my job as a clinician? Great question. I have a friend uh, who's in my entrepreneur group named Mike. He owns a, a bunch of physiotherapies in uh, Oregon and Washington, I believe. Uh, I've worked with uh, dental practices as well, too. Different industry, but many similarities in bet between the two. To answer your question is you can't. There is a certain type of professional DNA that an individual, whether it's the leader or the person being led, needs to have to be able to fully buy into company culture as being an asset. 
Some individuals see it as a nice to have. I've been advocating that it is a must have. Now, this is why I've, um, what I have experienced in the decade that I've been at this is that because some people think that it's kind of fluffy, like there's a misunderstanding of what culture is. It's like free food on Fridays and things like that. Those are just perks. That's not culture. Culture is building a purpose, a mission, and shared values that everyone buys into, and things stem from that. What, as you embark into this journey of having a cultural transformation, your responsibility as the leader of the company is to paint that picture for the organization and present it to everyone. This is the, uh, these are what our values are going to be. This is how we define success here. It's not just dollar, about dollars and cents anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about creating something of purpose. So you paint that picture for them. This is how we're going to operate from the year 2020 and going forward. Then you're, it's going to be new to some people. Some people are going to buy into it right away, Raj, and they're going to say, you know what? I've been waiting for a company like this. Sign me up. And they're going to be your flag bearers. They're going to be the people that you count on to push this program forward. There's going to be some individuals that are on the fence that'll be like, interesting. I need to see more before I fully subscribe to this. And this is where you as a leader can provide evidence from companies like Starbucks, Warby Parker, or even our, my organization of how it can benefit not just the company, customers, and community, but how it can in, uh, be advantageous for the individuals living within the company. So that's the second bucket of individuals. The person that's on the fence that just needs a little bit of evidence to fully subscribe to it. Now, I working uh, with 1-800-GOT-JUNK for five years, because they had a culture of learning, I was able to learn entrepreneurship within the organization and that allowed me to be the entrepreneur I am today. So that is how the culture served me in a way if I was to ask myself what's in it for me, that is one of the outcomes. Of course, having a great workplace where you get along with your employees, that's you know table stakes. That's something that just comes along with culture. Now, the third group are the cynical people that will think it's fluff. They can't be converted. They're stuck in their ways, but you as the leader cannot give up on them. You hired them, or maybe you inherited them, inherited them but let's say you hired them. Yep. It is your mandate and responsibility to help them convert and see a different way of doing things. My recommendation with that bucket of team members, give them an opportunity to buy in one time. If they stumble, provide them coaching, allow them another opportunity to buy in. If the same issues are coming up, then you exit them. And you know what? They'll probably leave on their own too. It's not the environment for them anymore. But you have to give them the opportunity to conform because you hired them, right? It's not fair for you to just be like, no, you're not a culture fit, gone, gone, gone. And plus you can't, your patients need, yeah. you know, your, your expertise, your, their expertise, right? You yeah. can't just fire people because that's going to 
that's going to be uh, hurtful to the business. So I started off by saying you can't convert those individuals. And I'm not walking that back, but I just wanted to be very frank that there are some people that aren't going to convert. Mm. But think of those three buckets. And that first bucket, that those individuals that are like, I've been waiting for this really lean on them to help push the program forward. It can't just come from you. You know, Richard Branson, picture of him on my office wall, somebody I greatly admire from what I see. He's the flag bearer. You, Raj, are Richard Branson. But of course, Richard Branson has dozens, maybe even hundreds or thousands of team members that carry the flag with them. You can't do this on your own. All right. What do you got for me? What else you got for me? What else do I got? Um, how often and through what methods are the best way to promote culture, especially, um, you know, we have a variety of locations. Uh, we have different shifts. People are working at different shifts. Um, so we've tried this weekly huddle attendance. We've tried this weekly huddle thing, but the attendance is not the greatest because clinicians who don't work that shift don't really attend. Right. So is there strategies that, you know, I can use to help make sure I can communicate culture and, and these values across the brand and across the board, not only amongst a variety of shifts, but as well as amongst a variety of locations. So culture is like water. You need to drink it every single day. Um, you know, it's uh, culture is like a baby. There's, um, oh, I wish I could, uh, <laughs> I could recite it off the top of my head. Give me one second, actually. I don't usually excuse myself from a, from an interview like this, but Sorry. in my book, in the People First Culture book, the first on page nine, I grabbed this quote from uh, Dan Guerrero. He's a UCLA athletic director, and he said, culture is like a baby. You have to watch it 24-7. It needs to be fed at least three times a day, and when it makes a mess, you have to clean it up and change it. <laughs> and it's true. So your, I like the, did you say weekly or daily huddle? We have a weekly huddle. Okay. So the weekly huddle, I understand that some people can attend because their hours are different. Yep. Try to record it or try to document what was discussed and send those individuals the, uh, what was discussed so that they can catch up. Um, there's something that if you go to YouTube, and type in O as in Oscar, the number two, and E as an elephant, huddle, like football huddle, yep. you're going to see um, the parent company of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, how they host their huddle. It's a daily huddle. I'm not suggesting that you do daily. Perhaps weekly works for you right now. Yep. Um, but their format is, is great. It's a combination of cultural things, but also business metrics. Um, so I would explore that. To go what did you say again, sorry, Michelle? O2? O as in Oscar, the number yep. two, E as in Echo, huddle. So take a look at that after. Um, that, that's some, uh, some homework for you. Um, gotcha. And for anybody listening as well, too, it's fantastic. It's a very short video to watch. Um, but again, when it comes to culture, it's a daily thing. Uh, at our restaurants, we focus on one core value that we have per day. Celebration, ownership, foresight, integrity, humility. Uh, so every day, or pardon me, every week, we're going to have a focus on a specific core value. So let's say 
um, one week it's ownership. We're going to hammer that home. Like, are we really taking ownership over the customer experience? What can we do to continuously do that this week? And then we move on to another core value. Uh, the way that I was able to recite my core values, again, celebration, ownership, foresight, integrity, humility, is exactly how every single one of your team members needs to be able to recite their values of the company as well. Because how can you possibly come together as an organization to build something when you don't even know what it is you are trying to build. And that's why I'm very militant when it comes to memorization of values and understanding why we come to work every single day. Something that I do on a daily basis whenever I'm in the, uh, in the buildings um, of our venues is I will find three people and ask them what are our core values. I'll do it in the middle of a, on a Friday night during dinner service at 8 p.m. What are nice. core values? If they can't recite it just like I did, then I'll ask a manager to excuse them uh, from the floor or from what they're doing until they can memorize it. Because we need to know why we come together to work every single day. So to summarize, it's a daily thing. Figure out how you can do this daily to the point where people are like, oh my God, here comes Raj. I better hide in the bathroom. He might ask me what the core values are uh, or head in the opposite direction. You want that. You almost want to be an irritant. But okay. let individuals know it's why I'm being this way. You know, we're trying to build the foundation of the company. Got it. No, that, that's great. Um, ready for the next one? Of course, always ready, my friend. Um, I guess this is more about myself personally and how I communicate. Maybe you can help me out with that. How do I ensure that I, I am communicating effectively without it appearing to be micromanaging? If you've ever had uh, strategies around that. I feel like sometimes I over-communicate, I say too much, and it might come across as micromanaging. Might it come across as well too as undermining maybe okay something to explore you know you're gonna grade your own leadership by intuition and instinct but at the end of the day the person that grades the leader is the population that you're leading think of politics eh, that's a very polarizing topic maybe i'll walk that one back for sure um <laughs> think about sports Right, uh, yeah. it's the individuals on the team yeah. and the GM that often will grade that, that head coach. So one thing I would start with is having a team member or two be in your peer network. They offer opinions on how you're leading the team. It can be somebody that reports into you or it could be somebody that you report into. That's a good idea, yeah. From there, and that's why I asked you, are some individuals being like, okay, Raj, we get it. You don't need to connect the dots for us. We can figure it out. I feel like you're kind of undermining me slash micromanaging me. Micromanagement isn't a bad thing all of the okay. time. Okay. Uh, and let me explain. When I embark on a new process or initiative that I have experience in and my team does it, I need to be there for a great percentage of time in the early stages to help them build it, to pass along my expertise. Might some individuals, might I, I get in the trenches with these individuals? Of course I'm going to. But there will be a point in time where I'm like, you know what, I'm good, I, I know that you understand this, I'm gonna exit 
Now you guys roll with this. So micromanagement, when it comes to an early part of an initiative or process, is not a bad thing. Just careful on how you might step on people's toes, ensure that you allow people's insights and opinions along the way, right? Because again, you're the one that has the experience in said strategy or process or whatever. But with that all being said, ensure that you're not like, well, 12 years ago, this is the way that we did it, right? Well, things change, right? So that's why I go back to what I said earlier, make sure that you ask people for their opinions, ask them to uh, share some insight and give you know, their feedback on what it is you are discussing. Micromanagement is a bad thing, is not a bad thing, uh, within reason, and I say that with an asterisk next to it, because I need to follow up with a justification of why I believe that. Um, when it comes to perceiving yourself as being a micromanager, that can be your perception and your intuition might be right, but my biggest takeaway is to ensure that you have people close to you mm -hmm. that you know are benevolent, they are earnest, they are sincere, and they're trustworthy. So that's something I call my best network, benevolent, earnest, sincere, and trustworthy. People in my little sphere that I have. I have somebody who, and it makes up four people, and I rely on them to give me feedback, one of which is on my leadership. And these are the things that I go to, because like you can ask me your opinion on your leadership until you're blue in the face, but you don't lead me. Mm -hmm. So I can give you tips and tricks on how, on leadership and getting people to follow you, but at the end of the day, it's not impacting me. So if you really want to understand the intimate details of your leadership ability, go straight to the source, go straight to the people that you are leading. And not only that, if I was a team member of yours, Raj, and I reported into you, and you asked me for that confidence, I would be blown away. I would be like, wow, the respect that he has given me to give him honest feedback. Assuming that they know how to give honest feedback, <laughs> diplomatic, and it doesn't upset me because some people don't know how to communicate well, right? And they shoot sure, from the hip yeah. and, you know, that's yeah. going to hurt Raj's pride. It would hurt Michelle's pride. But um, that individual, like, wow, what a fantastic opportunity to be working with the leader of the company. You know, we can't forget the value in that as well. Okay. One oh, more question. What do you got for me? One more? Oh, Ah, great. So well, obviously part of how my job has evolved is um, because we have, you know, three different locations and so many employees, we've obviously created management, like a middle management yes. kind of structure. And I guess some of the s strategies you're suggesting, I have to be able to communicate with my managers. How do I ensure that my managers who run most of the day-to-day -day operations, they're mentoring and onboarding, how do they ensure that my leadership team is pushing the, the, the core values and those strategies that you just mentioned to me? Do I, do I just follow up with them every day? Am I at their case every day? How, how do I ensure that they're doing it at the ground level? Uh, inspect what you expect. That is something that I learned early in my career. Inspect what you expect. If you expect certain interview questions to be asked during the interview process, yep. I would be sending a ghost interviewer in there. 
somebody, a family member or a friend and be like, Hey, we're recruiting for this job. Go apply for it. Go through the interview process. Tell me what type of questions are asked. Inspecting what you expect. You're looking under the hood. Is there some sort of corporate espionage? No, but you're inspecting what you expect. If you're asking your team members uh, at each clinic to survey customers, well, I want to see the result, those results every week, every day, every month, right? Inspect what you expect. Do not turn your back on a process ever. Okay. Even if you trust your single point of accountability, you need to one, be in the know to ensure that these things are still operating, but then also give it an opportunity to continuously refine these systems. If you have a single point of accountability or an SPA at every location as your general manager or your office manager, that is gonna be the person that you rely on to execute on your strategies. Because you've chosen this person to be the leader at a local level or at an office level, naturally you're gonna trust them, but maybe I'm a little cynical. I do trust them, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to inspect what I expect because sometimes people will burn you. Maybe they don't see the value in that thing yeah. you've asked them to do as much as you do. And they say they do it, they do it for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, and then it dissipates. I've had that in my business. Our interview process wasn't being followed. Huh. And I found out about that at one of our locations because the conversation around we have experiencing a bit higher. We're making a couple bad hires. That's how the conversation started. Yep. We need to fix this. And I said, and then I got involved and I said, okay, well walk me through the interview process. I was like, this isn't what we built. We don't need to fix it. We need to go back to what was working. Yep. And what happened is that people didn't follow the process. And you know what, perhaps I will actually catch myself with my pants down right now because I let myself, I didn't inspect what I expected for a period of time and look what happened. Thankfully, we have the process to go back to because we built it and we can get the train back on the tracks. But the message and the answer to you, Raj, is inspect what you expect. Um, look under the hood, even if you trust them full heartedly. So be a hard ass. Say that again. Be a hard ass. <laughs> yes and no. I hear you. But like, yeah. you know, you're going to let your team members know, like, look, I'm going to look under the hood without yeah. your knowledge. Know that the reason I will do this is in good faith. It's not to micromanage. I just need to ensure that we are following our processes and it's my quality assurance check. And I'm going to do it once a month and you'll never know when I'm doing it. But then we'll sit down and we're going to review what I inspected. And then if you're following the process, like I know you will, then we're going to celebrate together because you are a fantastic leader. Great. If I find out that, you know, you've colored outside the lines and you're not following the process, I'm, we're going to have a conversation to understand why. Because maybe there's something I'm not seeing. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to talk to me about it. But between you and I, more often than not, there's no good reason. <laughs> they just stop it. <laughs> Raj, thank you so much for being thank a guest. I, I truly, uh, tr tr truly, it's definitely Friday afternoon. I truly <laughs> appreciate um, you uh, being on here today, signing up for the course, being, a, being an advocate of mine. Uh, 
you know, you're, you're in my inner circle now, if I can serve you in any way, anybody listening or watching, uh, you're also in, in the club. Uh, so thank you so much. I'm going to link all your, um, contact info below. Uh, if you need any physiotherapy services in the city of Toronto, or if you have any physiotherapy, regardless of where you are on the planet, Roger's your guy. Raj, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so Thanks much Michelle. for watching this right, episode. If you want to be a guest on the Breaking It Down show, email me directly. Connect with me on LinkedIn. We reference my People First Culture book. Go find it on Amazon. And another thing we reference in this episode with Raj is my online course called Team Operating System. Email me directly if you want more information. And I'll see you on the next episode.